You may be seated. Am I loud enough? Good, good. Praise God. Thank you. Let me just get adjusted here. Hallelujah. That's good. Okay. Uh, we are thrilled to be here today, Janie and I. We're thrilled every time we come because you're such a wonderful people that gives us a warm reception and welcoming spirit. We appreciate that. We really do. We feel joined to this church in, 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 in well, in a special way, not just because Ina, Pastor Ina is Janie's sister, but we believe God has knitted our hearts to your heart. We do. And I want you to know this, that while Pastor Ina and Pastor Dave is going through what they're facing now, Janie and I truly join with you in faith. Our faith is joined to your faith. In fact, every Tuesday when we have our elders meeting, Pastor Dave's name always, we, it comes up, we pray for him as an eldership. Every Saturday morning during our corporate prayer time, we pray for Pastor Dave and Pastor Ina. And so I just wanted you to know today, our faith is joined with this church family. And we thank God for your knowing God, the presence of God in your lives and their lives. And we have a great expectation as you do. We thank God for prayer and prayer changes things. Hallelujah. And Pastor Ryan, I want to thank you this morning for ushering in the presence of praise and worship. You know, I wonder if you take for granted the sweet presence of God you have in this church family. I've been to other churches. I know what I'm talking about. You have a sweet presence of God that you really need to cherish. I just hope you don't take it for granted. God is good to you people. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we just extend our hands to you, Pastor Dave. Psalms 107 declares we can send the word of God to you. And right now we ask, Lord, that there become an awareness of your anointing in his life. Even as we're in this building and he's at his home, let there come that awareness of your holy presence that is upon his life. And everybody that agrees with that, say amen. amen. My little horse. Thank you, honey. Again, I got to tell you, isn't she drop dead gorgeous? What can I say? I want to thank Sister Diana. She's helped me today. Apparently, we're going to be able to put the scriptures on the screen up here. Now, all the pictures you see, I painted those. No, not really. She did all this work, and I really appreciate that. That, That's a blessing. Thank you. Pardon me? Yes, she's helped my wife in her catechism uh, class, uh, teaching the Old and New Testament. She's done a fabulous job. Let's just thank God for her. Give her a hand of clap. She said, oh, this only takes 20 minutes or something. No, she took much, much longer than 20 minutes, so I appreciate it very, very much. I want to address to you today divine principles and patterns of God's ways. Would you say that with me? Divine principles and patterns of God's ways. Whose ways? Whose ways? God's ways. Hallelujah. My text is Isaiah. Uh, 2 and verse 5, Micah also gives this very same word in Micah. And I want you to hear this today. Maybe you've never heard this like you're going to hear it today. He says in Isaiah 5, 2, or 2, 3 rather, Many people shall come and say, Come, 
and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Why? To the house of the God of Jacob. He will what? Teach us his ways and we shall what? Walk in his paths. In other words, we will live our lives according to his ways. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Well, I'll say that a little later. I want you to look. There's so many in the, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, God has established divine principles and patterns of his ways to live. Divine. They're divine in the Old Testament. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. They're divine in the New Testament. Certain things happen in the New Testament with those same divine principles. Certain things happen with those divine principles in the New Testament that are just fantastic. We'll just barely highlight this this morning. But let me give you an example over in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and 6. The Lord says the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. Contained in both, whether it be the Old or the New Testament, it's the natural that comes first, and then the spiritual concerning God's laws, His divine principles. And natural divine principles God has established. Not just spiritual principles, but natural principles. Let me give you another example. In Genesis 1.11, God said, who said? God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruits according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Have you ever thought about the power of what that says? The power of God. He not only created things, but within that creation, he either made that thing that he created the power to sustain itself or to reproduce. God doesn't have to create something a second time. Man does, but not God. He creates something once, and it either sustains itself or it reproduces after its own kind. That's marvelous. What a God we serve. You know, people should be concerned maybe about climate change. I'm not overly concerned. I'll tell you why. Let me read the scripture why I'm not concerned. Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains seed time and harvest and day and night shall not cease. As long as things are growing in the ground, you don't have to worry about this world. It's not going anywhere. As long as there is seed time and harvest, the earth shall remain. Now, I'm for taking care of, you know, clean air, good water and all that. But I'm not worried about the earth. Nothing's going to happen to the earth until seed time and harvest is no more. Keep that in your heart. You don't have to get all topsy-turvy about, well, I better not get off into that. I'm telling you this morning that seed time and harvest is an irrefutable divine law of God. So that's what I'm addressing today. God's ways of divine principles and patterns. And we see so many in the old, so many in the new. It's just mind-boggling when you begin to study the Word of God that way, that He has divine principles and divine patterns that are irrefutable. During my 50 years of ministry, I've observed people that 
They know the acts of God. What do I mean by that? Well, you remember the children of Israel? They saw ten plagues. How many knows those were some powerful acts? I mean, some powerful acts. And Christians know some powerful acts of God in their life. They know the power of salvation and the power of redemption in their life. They also know about the blessings of God. Those are tremendous acts. The mercies of God, the forgiveness of God, the goodness of God. Thank God for those powerful acts in our life. But in those 50 years of ministry, what I've observed is there's many Christians, I'm sad to say, either one of two things. They live their life in ignorance of God's divine principles and patterns, or they, knowing God's divine principles and patterns, they refuse to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ concerning living God's way. Living how the Lord says is you're to live this way. And I've observed many Christians. They, they either don't know the word of God, they're ignorant, or they do not faithfully come under the lordship of Christ when it comes to doing things God's way. Right. It's just period. That's that simple. Romans, or not Romans, but Psalms 103.7. This is a powerful scripture. He made known his ways of, to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. Do you hear that? Israel knew the mighty acts of God, but it was Moses that knew his ways. And God was for those people coming to know his ways. They were rebellious people. And that's why they turned so often against Moses. They all, all they, you said, well, if I could have lived then, if I could have seen those ten plagues. No, you would have been just like them. If you don't know God's ways... There's going to be issues in your life. And they had plenty of issues. So many issues that for 40 years they dealt with those issues and didn't resolve them. And they died. And it was the next generation under Joshua's tutelage that they went into that promised land of God's divine principles. You know, in 2024, and I say this with little reservation, but I believe it with all my heart. In 2024, we may experience as a country in America, I believe we're going to experience some very troubling and trying times. And if you don't know God's ways, if you don't know how to submit to the lordship of God's ways in your life, there's going to be a lot of trying times that just may get you out of God's will. It's just not America. The world is going to experience some very trying and troubling times. And I believe depending on what you do concerning God's ways will determine the consequences of what you reap and sow, either for good or bad. It's coming. It's already started. And I just urge you, with all my heart today, being in the house of God, learning his ways, just not just not printed word. No, God wants to inspire you to make alive within you how to truly live your life after God's divine principles and patterns. His ways, not your ways. We want to live our way. That stinks in the nostrils of God. We have to come to understand he has a way. It's divine and he's not going to change. So there's only one person left to change. You and me. He's the unchangeable, unchanging one. It's just that simple. All I'm going to say to you with an urgency is during this next year, 
It's been happening for years, but especially beginning in this next year. It's of my belief, take it for whatever it's worth, there's going to be very trying and difficult times. And if we're not fixed in the divine ways of living for God, some people are going to be shaken. Scripture makes that pretty clear. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and 7. You know it by heart. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That's going to be so true in this coming year as never before. Whatever we, we sow or don't sow, we're going to reap the consequences. If we sow those things according to God's ways, according to God's divine principles, then we're going to reap the consequences of God's ways. But if we don't sow according to God's ways, if we live our own life, we want to rule our own life, go our way, you're going to reap those consequences big time. Contained in both the Old and the New Testament is God's divine promises. I'll say it again. God's divine promises of his ways. And sowing and reaping is a divine way of God, both naturally and spiritually. Repeat after me. The Word of God, word of God is absolutely, absolutely God's will. God's will is demonstrated by His ways. God's will is demonstrated by His ways. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. And I'm reading this from the Amplified because it really, it really gets to the heart of it. For the Word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, listen to this, penetrating as of the division of the soul and the spirit. Stop right there. Do you hear what that's saying? In other words, the Word of God can discern both the soulish mind, will, and emotions. Your ways. Your ways. The Word of God cuts so deep and so fantastic that it can show you that your soulish ways of your mind, your will, and your emotions is not God's ways. Let's finish that. So, penetrating as the vision of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person. And of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Because sometimes our heart is deceitfully wicked. We don't know God's ways. We want to follow our way. God despises that. There's only one divine way. The Lord's way. There is no other way. It's the Lord's way. In Galatians 2.20, says, We live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The faith we have been given with our born-again spirit, that is Jesus Christ's faith, his spirit within us. It's the faith of the Son of God. And what needs to happen is when we hear faith, the word comes by hearing faith, what happens is God begins to stir up, he begins to discern between your way and his way. And faith 
The son of God's faith connects with the spirit, the spirit of Jesus within you. It makes that word of his alive so you can distinguish between what was your way and what is God's way. That's what faith does. It connects. And Romans really brings it out powerfully. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed. Say do not. Do not not be conformed. That's a command. Do not be conformed to this world. It's talking about a system of ways. It's not God's ways. This world is not God's way. It is not. So don't be conformed to those things, those attitudes, backbiting, gossip, slandering, not forgiving somebody. That's the world's way. You've got to be changed from that way of thinking. And what you think in your soulish mind, what you speak, what you, if it's not God's ways, if it's not God's words, if it's not God's principles, then you've got one foot in and one foot out trying to in the kingdom of God. God wants you to know his ways. I love Matthew 6.33. It says, seek what? First the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these needs. God knows he will meet them for you. Let me paraphrase that to really help you understand it. Seek first doing God's ways and his righteousness, his relationship. Seek first in everything you do in living life, doing things God's way. There's only one way, and it's not your way. Can you say amen? Amen. By what means does God reveal his ways? Let me just mention several. God has several ways that he reveals his word to you in this life. And all of them are powerful. But I've got to say the very first one that's so powerful is John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to teach us God's ways. Now, that just doesn't happen. If you listen to 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved. Whose approval do you need? God's approval. Then study to show thyself approved Unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. This is so important right here. Rightly dividing the word of truth. It's the word of truth. He is the truth. He is the way. He is. It's that word of truth who is Jesus. It's only his ways that we have to divide. We have to understand what is our way from what his way is. So the Holy Spirit desires you to study what we call the logos, the written word. But let me just make it very simple what the rhema is. The rhema is acting on the word, the logos. It's acting on it with corresponding actions. So this word is just written there. That's great. But when you act on it, faith comes by hearing it. And when something connects with your born-again spirit, everything, the fullness of Godhead, the Godhead bodily dwells in you. That's because you have Jesus Christ. He's your born-again spirit. So when that word connects, it stimulates, it inspires what's already in your spirit. You didn't know it. It's a revelation. What happens then? My God, my mind begins to think different based on his divine way. 
I begin to speak different based on his divine word, his divine principles. It changes my soulish mind because only two things are going to rule. It's going to be your soulish mind or it's going to be your spirit, which is Jesus Christ in you. That's what's so powerful. It's what's so powerful. So be not conformed to this world, its ways, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the burden of proof is on you, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when faith comes to you, when you rhema the word, you act on the word, you act on the logos, what happens is when you act with corresponding actions, rhema happens. Faith transpires. Faith changes things. Faith brings us into an alignment of God's ways. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that's one means of God revealing his ways. It's the Holy Spirit teaching us. And the Holy Spirit can't bring to your remembrance if you have nothing up there. Study to show thyself approved. The apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, all those elements that bring things into our spirit. God's spirit has all the fullness of his knowledge in you. You just don't know it yet. You've got it, but you don't know it yet. So it's faith that begins to bring those revelations. That's what you have inside you. It's faith that connects and begins to change your soulish mind, emotion, and will to his ways from your ways. If you got it, say amen. amen. God reveals his ways, and this is so important. Because many preachers use the word of God to teach what they're way is. You have to take the entire word of God. The scripture interprets itself. I'm talking about from Genesis to Revelation. If you will study in that kind of fashion, when when God is putting something in your heart or you're hearing something, you want to go through the whole Bible concerning that truth and you'll find an interpretation that you otherwise couldn't have. That's the Holy Spirit wanting to teach you. Hallelujah. Another means of God that reveals his ways is the witness of proven men and women of God who have sound doctrine. What I mean by proven? I mean their ministry has established results that you know they're walking in the ways of God. There's there's no doubt about it. There's no reservation. I know in the history of our church, there's been many times during the 50 years that we've been in ministry, there have been times when we were in a quandary. You know what to do, either we didn't know what to do or we weren't certain about it. We would go and submit to other men and women of God that we cherished in our life, that we knew were proven men and women of God. And sometimes, even though we may not understand what they said as far as doing it, we did it in faith because we knew their life was proven on sound doctrine, and they had the results to back it up. That's important that we understand submission to other men and women of God. I'm not talking about just anybody. I'm talking about somebody that really has a proven results ministry. Can you say amen? Another means that God reveals his way is what is called first mention by scholars. First mention of God's ways in the Bible. Some call it the law of first mention. And so when, when, when something's becoming alive, you need to go back and see where it, trace back where it's the very beginning of that where it was mentioned. Whatever the area is. Where is it first mentioned? And that's going to be a foundation wherever it's first mentioned about knowing about God's ways in that particular subject that you're dealing with. Now, the last one about God's ways being revealed in our life. 
This has helped me tremendously in my life. And it really has to do with the Old Testament coming to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now listen to what I'm going to say. The Old Testament, in all God's divine revelation and principles, those divine principles and revelation coming to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, and one of three things is going to happen. Either it's going to stop right there, and that's the end of it, or it's going to pass through the cross unchanged, or it's going to pass through the cross changed. One of those three things are going to happen in in the study that that God's helped me with. So listen very carefully, because I want to give you some examples. We, We could spend all day here giving these kind of examples of God's divine principles coming to the foot of the cross, coming to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and either stopping there, passing through, unchanged, or passing through, changed. You remember in the Old Testament, under Moses, it's what was called Yom Kippur. It was the Day of Atonement. This happened once every year. And it was the high priest under Moses, that priesthood, it was the high priest who would go into the holies of holies, to offer a covering or an atonement for the sins of Israel. Once a year, the high priest would do this, and they would slay animals, shed their blood. The problem is that blood only was good for a year. They had to do it again, every year, every year, every year. That's not good. It didn't get the job done. Now listen to Hebrews 3, verses 1 and 2. Let me find it here. Uh, I'm going to do this in the Amplified. I think it'll help us. Well, well, let me do it. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession or profession, Christ Jesus. So he's saying now you need to understand this about Christ Jesus. He's our prophet. He's our priest. He's our king. There's so many other scriptures that bear this out in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it certainly bears this out. So, who was faithful, listen to the verse 2, who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was also faithful in all his house. Several things are happening here at the foot of the cross. The animals that were slain, their blood was shed, that comes to the cross, it stops right there. The sacrificing of animals don't go through the cross. That's done with. It stopped. But it was still a divine principle in the Old Testament. What happened? Well, what does go through the cross now is another slain sacrifice. The sacrificial lamb of God. That same divine principle that was in the Old Testament now is changed into the divine lamb of God. Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible says he was the once and for all sacrifice when he shed his blood. It wasn't year after year. It's now eternally. Glory to God. So that changed through the cross. The Old Testament priesthood, that was divine. But at the cross, that system had to stop in that it was of men. Now what changes is we have a new high priest. We just read it. Jesus Christ. 
That divine principle didn't change. As far as the Old Testament, it just it wasn't repeated. It did not go through the cross. It changed. Can you see what I'm saying? All right. Uh, in the New Testament, it's very, very clear. We have a new and better covenant. We have a more powerful covenant with God, not because of God agreeing with us. It's because he made a covenant with his son and that we can become included in that New Testament covenant. Hallelujah. Let me give you something that's unchanged. You could do this all day. It's so powerful. Davidic worship. It comes through the cross. Do you think it stops there? Don't be afraid. I'm not going to try to get you. Davidic worship comes to the cross and goes through unchanged. That divine Davidic worship that God put in the heart of David. We praise, we worship, we dance. Everything that was divine then, God has fulfilled it even in a greater dimension in the new covenant. Through the cross, it's unchanged. But it's even a greater fulfillment of what David experienced. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Praise God. So I, please see what I'm saying to you. You're either stopped at the cross. It's divine, but it stops at the cross and it's unchanged. Or it goes through the cross changed. Divine on both sides of the covenant. This is powerful. In the New Testament, we have Romans 2.29. Old Testament circumcision, that was a divine principle of God. But it was in the foreskin of a male's flesh. But when that gets to the cross, this thing of circumcision, which was a big deal to God, it was divine back in that Old Testament, and it was painful too. Ask Abraham how, anyway. Uh, but God makes it very clear as an old man too. He was an old man. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. But it's now not in the letter. It's not under that law. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. We're talking about types and shadows in the old. They're still divine. If you see my shadow, that still represents me. It's the real me. It's just you can't hug that shadow. You can't have any relationship with that shadow. So those were divine types and divine shadows. But when they come through the cross, either unchanged or changed, then as Christ said, I've come to fulfill the law, not do away with the law. I'm not doing away with those divine principles. I'm fulfilling even at a greater depth of what that divinity is all about in our ways for living for God. Can you say amen? So I I trust me, if you didn't know that, maybe that'll help you in your study. Always look whatever you're dealing with the Old Testament or the New. First of all, go back and find out the beginning, where the first mention is, whatever it is, and build on that foundation. You will find this so powerful through the Bible. The divine in the old shadows and types, and then in the new, the divine ways of God. Hallelujah. So church, I'm saying God has established divine laws, divine principles, divine promises in his covenant word. Hallelujah. Now I want to touch one last thing about a divine principle. It's divine. And I could, we could, 
there could be 12 messages, at least that I could preach on this. It's so deep. People, a lot of Christians I have observed over the years, they don't understand this in Romans, and they'll read it. If you go to home today, you'll probably not even understand what I'm talking about. It's because you don't look at the Greek words. What I'm going to talk about is in Romans. It, it's all the way from the beginning of Genesis. That's where the first mention is. All the way through Revelation. It's that powerful. But I find most Christians have no depth when it comes to what I'm going to tell you about the divine principle and law of God right now. And that's tithing. I want you to understand this. Tithing, some Christians say, well, that's, that's under the law. No, it is not under the law. That was 430 years before Moses ever uh, uh, gave us the tithing. And 430 years. It goes back even further than that. It began with Adam and Eve in the garden. If you really understand how to study your Bible, it is so, it's such a divine principle with God. It's so important to God. It was established in Abraham's time after the, what the Bible calls the order of Melchizedek. I'm going to read you some scripture about that in just a second here. And it's so powerful. You know, Romans talks about our father Abraham, who is the father of us all. He's the father of you if you do this, who also walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Walking in the faith of of the step, walking in God's ways as Abraham walked in those ways. Not only did Abraham tithe, but Isaac, his son, continued tithing. Isaac's son, Jacob, continued tithing. And it's so powerful the Bible brings out that the scriptures say because they they received the blessings of Abraham, their father. And on, it takes so long talking about this. Well, what happens with tithing when it comes to the cross? It passes through changed, changed. Go through Hebrews 5 through 7, those chapters. Again, we find that Jesus is our great high priest. It's no longer the Old Testament high priest that was just a man that really couldn't cover sins and eliminate sins, forgive sins for eternity. No, that was under that covenant. But He's the king, and the Bible is very clear in Psalms and in Hebrews, after the order of Melchizedek. That means you need to do an in-depth study about the order of Melchizedek. And I want to read something about it now. Let's look at that, chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as, uh, as he returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoil. He is, first of all, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, which means king of peace, without any record of father or mother, nor ancestral line, without any record of beginning of days, birth, nor ending of life, death, but having been made like the Son of God, he remains a priest without interruption, and without successor. Now pause and consider how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. It is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to collect tithes from the people, which means from their kinsmen uh, through these that have descended from Abraham. But 
This person, Melchizedek, who is not from the Levitical ancestry, 430 years before this happened uh, under Moses, received tithes. He received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who possessed the promises of God. Yet, it is beyond all dispute. You can dispute it all you want. That the lesser person is always blessed by the greater one. Furthermore, here in the Levitical priesthood, tithes are received by men who are subject to death. That was the divine principle back then. Are subject to death. But in that case, concerning Melchizedek, they are received by one of whom it is testified that he lives on perpetually. Who do you think that is that can live perpetually? Jesus, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ now, he's, he's the one we worship after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All through the Bible, you'll see that Jesus himself, here's the divine principle. Jesus was the first fruits, the tithe. A powerful study if you go through that study. In Genesis through Revelation, you'll see this thing of the first fruits, the tithe. And the reason people don't see it because there's no in-depth teaching on it in a lot of places. My God is powerful. And why am I concerned in sharing this word with you today? Because in 2024, you're either going to be committed to God's ways or you're not. It's that simple. And no matter what you face in 2024, you're either going to be under the lordship of God's faithful ways or you're not. You may be going to heaven. You may know him as your savior, but if you don't know his ways, I'm declaring to you today, this is one of the most powerful ways of God. It has to do with first fruits. It's so powerful in our lives. And I appreciate Pastor Kimberly, your testimony. That was, that was great. I know you, you enjoyed that. Praise God. Now, Pastor Ina has instructed me that I can't take this whole period. She, she thinks my wife has to clean up has, has to clean up for me. So I'm going to submit. And I'm going to have her come and share a little bit out of her heart. Uh, I'll read one last scripture in Proverbs 3, 5. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of how much? All your increase. The tithe is holy. It is the Lord that was divine under the old. It's divine under the new. Especially if you know the word of God. And it's going to make the difference. It's going to, it's going to distinguish those in this trying time this ahead of us, in the age ahead of us. It's going to really distinguish those who know the ways of God. And I'm not just talking about tithing. I'm talking about so many ways that are God's ways. And they are not your ways. It's God's ways. And it's established, established through the unchanging, unchangeable God Almighty. God bless you. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Well, I'm probably called the translator, so I'm going to give you uh, a definition of what I believe that Virgil was saying. Uh, See, you I told you she has to help me out. You can pass those out. Amen. One thing that God wants to do is to bless you. He knows us better than Thank we know you. ourselves. And what you have to understand that 
in all that you do, even though you may not be on the path and doing it God's way. He is out to bless you. Turn to somebody and say, he's out to bless me. And in, whenever he created us, he knew that we were human and that we were, had our fleshly state that we're going to have to constantly fight every day of our lives until you take the last breath. One of the things that I want to mention today is about the blessings of Abraham. God is out to bless you, but he also has, as Virgil was saying, the principles that have to be established. I don't know if you remember in the olden times whenever that whenever Jacob was wrestling with the angel, the first thing he did was he built an altar and he built it out of stones. And if you go through the scriptures, every time that somebody maybe passed that way, they say, well, this is what happened to Jacob at that point. And there's other, th other people in the Bible that you know their lives and how that God used them. But whenever it happened, a memorial was built. And whenever they pass that, they say, this happened to them. This happened to them. They pass through this and pass through that. See, God has his principles that he wants you to practice in your life. And if we don't practice those principles, we suffer, don't we? And we don't want to err in those ways. But God knows that we're going to fail and that we're going to have to repeat. But sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of times I try to help God out a lot. And I've learned that I have to do it his way and not my way. Uh, one of the things that you have to do is know that I have these stones and I'm a very visual person. And I always tell my class when I'm teaching, I said, you know, God has given us, I hope this doesn't fall over, foundational stones that we have to lay in our lives. And whenever things are not going just the way that it should go, what you should do is go back to some of your foundational stones. One of those, I mean, you can name a lot, but one of those, of course, is our basic is salvation. And then after that, I know that we cannot even, and after salvation, God commands us that we should be baptized. And there's keeps going on and on about, there it goes, that after, uh, somebody get my notes. I thought I was going to have that podium. I went out in the garden and got these. Maybe they were too heavy. But the thing is, on the foundational stones, salvation. There's the baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's communion. All of these you know. We all know. We've been taught that for years and years. But what we do is we get caught up in the world system. And we begin to, you know, go away from those. Another one has to do with that Abraham, you know, we have the blessings of Abraham. I don't know if they handed you out that paper or not. I need my notes. Yep. Blessings of Abraham. And what God wants you to understand, that when you have those foundational stones laid, one of those, of course, is tithing and an offering. You want God to bless you, you bless him. And whenever you bless him, he will bless you. But see, what I want is everything God has for me. It is a desire of my heart that I fall in love with Jesus more and more and more. And it's a desire that, you know, whenever he, Virgil was talking about going into 2024, you don't have to fear when you have your foundational stones laid. You don't have to fear that your house is not going to have meat in it. You're not going to have to fear that you're going to lose your job. You don't have to fear that you're not going to have a cover over your head whenever you lay your foundation.
Whenever you're having trouble in your life, go back to your foundational stones. Begin to look at them. Begin to examine them. And, you know, trouble is going to come even whenever we've laid those foundations. But what happens is, as we begin to lay those, and we depend on those, and we go back to it, we go, God, now I have laid the foundation in my life. I have put those stones down. I have established myself. And so this gives me the authority to stand before you and say, God, you're going to bless me like you blessed Abraham, because I have done everything that your word has said. I'm doing all that I know to do. And, you know, as I say, I try to help God a lot. But the thing is, God will bring those to you whenever that he sees what he wants you to have. The other day, uh, my daughter-in-law got the message that uh, she may lose her job and that uh, her whole position will be gone. And, of course, you know, that's a real uh, hard thing to happen to lose your job. But you know what we did? We began to pray and we began to say, God, we have laid these stones. We are going back to your word. And because of your word, oh God, we have the right to ask you. We have the right, oh God, to say, this shall not happen. You're out to bless me. And you know, we prayed and prayed. And you know that even before the beginning of the year, she got, she had to let 75 people go. God gave her a raise and gave her a promotion. And that's what God wants for you and for me. When we do it God's way, when we walk in his way, whenever that we go back to those foundational things that we have to have established in our lives, this is what you stand on. This is how we function. This is how we live. We don't live by the world system. We don't function like the world system. We're not going to listen to the world system and saying, you're not going to have money. You're not going to have this. You're not going to have that. It is not an option. God, I am going to have these because your word says I'm going to have these and I'm going to take these. I, I tell you a lot of times that we get materialistic and we get to be thinking about, you know, well, look at that so-and-so over there that's not serving the Lord. And look how they have this and they have that and they have this. But you know what they don't have is they don't have peace. They don't have the blessings of the Lord. They don't have those things functioning in their life. You know, my kids many times ask me, and I've said this before, Mom, are we millionaires? And I said, oh, yes, we are. Because we have the blessings of Abraham. Have you done without a meal? Have you not had a place to sleep? Do you have, you know, are you functioning in your right mind? God is blessing us, and we have to continually think about how God is blessing us. And you have to live on the principles of Abraham. Uh, I hope, did you, they hand out a paper about the blessings of Abraham? It says, well, I want us to read it together. I could teach two hours on this. It's so wonderful. Talking about how God loves you and he wants to bless you in every facet of your life. It says what? I will make thee a what? A great nation. That means I'm going to make you a great family. That means, you know, even though you got jacked up relatives and jacked up this or that or whatever, and every day doesn't go right, and the kids are doing this and they're doing that, whatever, God says, what does he say in his word? I will make thee a great what? Nation. And then number two, it says what? 
I will bless thee. Turn to somebody and say, I will bless thee. God's going to bless me. See, if you don't start proclaiming, it's not going to happen. You start believing, oh, you know, I'm going to lose my job because of this world system. You know, if this person gets elected, this is going to happen. No, 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 no. Elect whoever you want. God is going to bless me. I always put my hand on my hip and I say, it is not an option. God is going to bless me. Put your hand on your hip and say, God is going to bless me. It's not an option. You have to declare the word of the Lord. Amen. And it says, I will make, let's read it. I will make thy name great. You're going to have a great name. Even though you may have a history of, you know, a mess. God says, listen, that was back then. This is now. And you're going to have a great name. The greatest thing that somebody can ever give a compliment to me is to say they know the Lord. They know the Lord. That is the greatest thing that can happen. And then the next one, let's read it together. It says what? I will bless them that bless thee. It's wonderful to bless people. I will bless them that bless thee. Oh, God, please let me do that. The next one says what? I will... Even on their job, if they are mean as a snake, whatever they are, and they're putting you down or whatever, God, you can say, listen, let, I've made up my mind. You can walk over me. You can call me names. A lot of times at the church, they say, what do you call? What do I call you? I said, call me whatever you want because I'm God's child. It does not affect me. God is going to bless me. You can curse me, but God's going to take care of you. The last one, it says what? In thee shall... See, you can be a blessing to others. Have you ever blessed somebody and you had such a great feeling whenever you bless them? It's such a great thing to bless. The greatest thing you can do is bless the house of the Lord. Whenever you take care of, you've said it, heard it many times. When you bless this house, God will bless your house. He will make, you know, whenever you do your tithes and your offerings and you begin to have the establishment of the foundational stones in your life, I promise you, your car will last longer. Virgil and I have two cars. Oh, I call them the PF cars, the paid for cars. And they have like 250 something thousand miles on them. But you know what? Those cars have kept going and going and going because they're blessed cars. God can bless your house. He can th keep things from breaking down. He can make them last longer. I know the Lord's made the tires of my car last longer. They say it can go 85. I've gone almost to 100 on mine, and they still have some threads on them, and they're not dangerous. God can bless you. You know, we forget about the little things of how God can bless you. He is out to bless us. Turn to somebody who says, I want to have the blessings of Abraham. Turn to somebody else and say, I want to have the blessings of Abraham. I want us to all stand now. God is out to bless us. He wants us to do it. His, whose way? His way. His way. I want us, you know, we could take and lay hands on everybody, but I want you to put your hand on your forehead. And I want you to say, God, you're out to bless me. You're out to bless me beyond what I can even think. 
And I want you to raise your hand now and say, God, I receive your blessings. I receive your blessings, God. Lord, we come before you because you said in your word that if we come after you with our heart, with all of our heart, Lord, and that we lay ourselves at your feet, oh God, and we know that you have godly principles and that your principles and promises never, ever change. But Lord, I know we change, but Lord, I thank you right now that from this minute on, Lord, that we are going to really look at ourselves and not to be, you know, condemned, but the convictional Lord, God, I need to change this. And I need to change that because my heart is after you. And God, we just want to love you with everything that we have within us. God, this is a changed day. This is a changed day that we seek after you more than ever before. And when it comes to 2024, and even for the rest of the year, God, we're going to look to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and every rock that there is, God, that we're going to be blessed. We are a blessed people. God, this congregation is blessed. Every person is blessed. And we have to look for those blessings. And we have to have an expectation for those blessings. And God, I thank you for even the principles, Lord, that we have not been following you, that you would bring to our remembrance those things that we need to change, that we need to take and look at and say, well, you know what? Maybe I should change the way I talk. Maybe the words that I'm saying that all that needs to come out of my mouth is blessing you, God. And all the things that I do, oh God, is blessing you. And wherever I go is blessing you. And whatever I'm thinking, it blessing you. And God, as Creflo Dollar says, God, we have to watch our eye gate. We have to watch our ear gate. And God, we know that whatever's in our soul is going to come out our mouth gate. And Lord, we want to speak your word. We want to establish your word because Lord, we are going to become like salt. And whenever we come into the presence of someone else, they'll say, there's something different about you. And you can begin to minister to that person and say, God has changed my life. He has made me into something that I didn't even realize could be so wonderful. And Lord, most of all, we want to raise our hands and say, we are in love with you, oh God. And we love you, oh God, with all of our heart and all of our mind. And we just praise you and rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So.